Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode one of The Crease Dive, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats, by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool. Joined alongside me is Robbie L. Rob, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, Jordy? Nothing much, nothing much. I'm just feeling great right now. We got this last week of January here, so we're coming up close to February 1st. You know what that means. It is college lax season. Time. Everyone's back. They're practicing. It's about time that you're playing another opponent. This is this is what us lax rats live for. It's about this time of year, the mid-February. Weather's brutal, but... It's college lag season, so there's no complaints. Let's get started. And listen, if there's one question that I get the most, more than anything at Barstool, I get the most from the comment section is when are you going to kill yourself? But I don't have an answer for that one yet. But the second most asked question is when is Barstool going to get a lacrosse podcast? Pleases me to announce that that time is right here and right now with the crease dive Listen, lacrosse is the sport of the future. I I know that we joke about it from time to time, but this shit ain't a joke anymore, right? The sport is growing at a rapid pace, and the coverage for the game needs to grow as well, all right? Unless you're reading a lacrosse-centric website like Inside Lacrosse or College Lacrosse, the sport gets dicked over left and right for coverage, right? It's either got to be a sickest highlight goal ever or a fake rape scandal or else nobody's talking about the game, right? But that's what we're here for. That's that's what we want to give to lacrosse. We want to give this sport the exposure it deserves. But we're also not going to be a bunch of whiny bitches about it either, right? That, you know, this is a podcast for lacrosse players, by lacrosse players, all right? We're going to tell you the shit that you need to know, but we're also not going to be your coaches breaking down film or some shit like that, all right? So just just think of us like your pregame shoot-around, right? The boys are loose. Anything goes. It's nothing but low to high to the day you die, all right? If you're some nerd who's out there shooting bounce shots, even when your coach isn't watching – this isn't the podcast for you. All right. So now you know what we're about. You know, you know what this podcast is about. So let's just get right into it. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it the best. I mean, this is for the players by the players. Yeah. Let's just get started and talk a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your playing history. So uh, the listeners out there can know a little bit about us. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I think that they're you know, there's a reason why I'm I'm talking and blogging about lacrosse right now instead of actually playing. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a lacrosse crazy town. I'm a, I'm a Philly guy, Philly suburb guy. So grew up, you know, lacrosse was huge in my town, played all through high school. After high school, went to play a little D3 ball uh, out in the the Collegeville, Pennsylvania. But, um, you know, there in college, I was I was more of a uh, just a practice player of the century. Um, you know, as, as far as practice players go in college lacrosse, I think that I was hands down the greatest. I mean, I'd be running scout offense better than the other team would run their own offense. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't really much of a gamer, so that's what leads me to blog and podcast about lacrosse right now. Robbie, oh, uh, why don't you tell us your story real quick? Yeah, so I'm uh, from a small town in Jersey, just like you, very lax-oriented. Uh, if you didn't have a stick in your hand roaming the streets, you were a loser, an outcast, anti-baseball town. Uh, went on to play at UMass for a year, transferred after my freshman year. Uh, went to Lafayette College to play, little Pat Lax. And uh, now I'm here. Like you said, uh, our playing days are a little bit uh, behind us. And now we're talking about it. Just a couple of beer league heroes. 
Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody really gives too much of a shit about us. What everyone cares about right now is the upcoming 2018 NCAA college lacrosse season. And what a year it's going to be. I mean, what a year last year was. Last year was absolute chaos from week to week. I mean, there was there was a, you know, a time period where nobody was repeating as the number one team in the, in the nation. Um, just a crazy season all around. That was eventually capped off by that senior class at Maryland finally getting it done, winning the national championship after making it to Memorial Day weekend four years in a row, losing twice in that title game, finally getting it done. So 2017 was epic. 2018 looks to be just as good, you know, and, uh, you know, so what what teams are you looking to, uh, you know, what teams are you going to be watching for this year to really make a splash? Well, I mean, this year's excited, like you said, Um, it's. It's very, very goal heavy, very attack oriented. Just looking at a couple of returners that are coming back. You got guys like Connor Fields, Sowers, Gutterding. These are all scoring machines. So let's just get on the top of scoring machines. A couple of teams that I have my eye on this year is Loyola. They don't get enough credit. I know they're number 13 in the nation, and I know that they've been on the big stage before, but a lot of people pass up on them. I think Pat Spencer is a junior now, two years under his belt after a massive, massive freshman campaign. He's only been keeping it rolling. I think with that experience, he's kind of going to put the offense on his back. The defense will support him. And that's going to be a team to look out for this year. Loyola is definitely one of those teams that they'll always creep up on me during the season. I mean, they're they're not exactly a, a sexy pick by any means. I don't think that anyone going into the beginning of the season has Loyola on their mind. Um, you know, but I think that that's something that, you know, I, th- I think that that's something that that team kind of feeds on. It's, it's almost a, a level of disrespect that no one ever really talks about them in the beginning of the season. We got a guy like Pat Spencer, who's going to put up seven or eight points a game. I mean, fuck that. Like, if you're not talking about Loyola, like get bent because they are going to, to run you over, especially with that kid running the show. Yeah, And then just speaking about putting up seven to eight points a game, that just goes right into the Albany, the great Danes. I know, I know you're a big Albany fan, but now you got Tahoka coming in with Connor Fields. This is going to be like Curry and Durant. I, I don't really know how it's going to pan out, but God help the defensive coordinator and the opposing defense who plays them. Yeah, I like to think of myself kind of like a, a an Albany hipster, if you will. Um, you know, I I think that I was I was definitely a, a fan of Albany before they started to get as much attention as they did. Uh, a few years ago, I wrote that first blog about the uh, the roster bio headshots. What a squad of savages Albany has right there. The Great Danes are just nothing but beauties. Um, but I've been riding I've been riding the Dane train ever since. And I mean, this is a year that is they're just going to dominate every single defense that they come across. You said it with Fields and, and Tahoka. I mean, defensive coordinators are going to have their hand because you can't match up against yeah. that. I mean. Connor Fields is a kid who had 115 points last year. Like he's going to light you up no matter what. So you, if you want to put your best pole in Connor Fields, you know, go ahead and put your best pole in Connor Fields. Just know now that your second best pole has to cover the best incoming freshman who could possibly end this season as one of the best players in college across. So, I mean, you've got two of the best attackmen in the country and you have to try to figure out who you're going to match up on. Like you are screwed. Like, just 
just lay there and just pray that it that the ass kicking that you take isn't that bad and that you can go on to survive the next week. Yeah, I mean, they're going to put asses in seats. And if you're at ESPN and you want viewership and you want to spread the game, this is a team that you're going to want on your screen. Uh, who are a couple of teams that you got on your radar this year? Yeah, so like you, I've, I've got Albany. I feel like I've always got my eye on Albany, though. So outside of that, a, another team kind of like Loyola who doesn't get quite as much exposure as they should uh, but this Penn State team this year should be very exciting to watch, especially, you know, we're it, we're going to have a theme here where we're talking about high scoring offenses. I, I think that, you know, maybe the two of us are a little bit biased. Neither of us played defense ever. So, you know, goalies can get fucked. But this Penn State team, I mean, you've got Mac O'Keefe, who as a freshman last year put up 51 goals. I'm pretty sure that O'Keefe spent his summer playing some junior A ball up in Canada. Um, so for an attackman like O'Keefe, who, you know, that, you know, he's, he's more of a finisher, more of an inside hands kind of guy playing box in Canada over the side, like that's only going to make him better. Um, you know, and then you, you compliment him with a guy like Grand Amen, who was top 20 in the country last year in points. I mean, this kid is shifty as balls. If, if you're trying to guard him from X, like just know that a sniper is going to take you out and you're going to end up in the back of the net. So, I mean, these two kids that they've got running the show at the Penn State attack, I, you know, this is a season where offense is going to reign supreme. You know, it, this, this whole season is going to come down to who can score more goals than the other team, you know, and that's, you know, kind of the way that sports work, but more so, especially in college lacrosse this year. I mean, we're going to see teams putting up 15 a day, um, you know, and when you got O'Keefe and Amen running the show for you at Penn State, you know, that's going to put you on a good pace to, to put up, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 goals, no matter who you're going up against. And then one last one last, uh, you know, this isn't exactly a team that we're talking about to watch out for. But if you want to, you know, if you want to become a if you want one conference, you know, all throughout history of college across, it's been ACC, 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 a little bit of Big Ten creeping in there over the past couple of years. It's to watch this year is the Ivy League mm-hmm. because they are loaded with studs all over the place. I mean, just think about just think about the best attackmen in the Ivy League right now. You've got Ben Reeves, who's a Twarton guy for the past couple of years. So Ben Reeves puts up 79 points last year. He leads Yale all over the place, and and he's just an absolute stud. You got Michael Sowers, who is, in my mind, the best Dodger in college lacrosse. Maybe that – I mean, Mikey Powell, that's my guy. That's my hero. I think of Mikey Powell as a lacrosse god. Michael Sowers might be quicker than Mikey Powell. It is unbelievable what this kid is able to do with the ball in his stick. And the thing that really sets him apart from from anybody else is you're screwed no matter how you play against this kid. If you slide to him, he's so smart, has such great vision that he's going to find that backdoor guy. He's going to find where that slide's coming from. He's going to pick you apart with some assist. If you don't slide to him, he's going to burn your ass one-on-one and take you to the cage. So, I mean, I I think – you know, Michael Sowers is probably going to end this season as the best attackman in the Ivy League. No disrespect to Ben Reeves there or anything. And then following up on third, you got Jeff Teat from Cornell, who put up 69 points himself his freshman year. So those are three of the best 10 attackmen in the country, and they're all in the Ivy. 
Yeah, I mean, you said it best. Sowers is one of the most dynamic attackmen, not only in the Ivy, but in the entire country. He's a matchup nightmare. You slide to his hands, he'll step away and feed it. There's really no way to play him. You compared him to Mikey Powell. I compl- I very much see that. I also see him as like a Jordy Wolf. He's just one of those players that he's just very hard to guard. And when you compare him to a fellow Ivy League attackman like Ben Reeves, I'm going to take Sowers nine out of ten times. Just the fact that he's a more dynamic player, in my opinion. Now, here's here's something to you know to think about with Ben Reeves. Is, I mean, Ben Reeves' senior year. Listen up to what his major is at Yale. All right, Ben Reeves. He is a molecular, cellular, and developmental biology major. Some people need a major just to read what that major is. Again, it is molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. Now, here's the thing. Senior year for Ben Reeves, all right? Senior at Yale. Think about what happens in May, all right? You come up to finals week in May, right around the time that the NCAA tournament's starting. You're the best attackman on your team, but you've also got finals and thesis papers and whatever to write on molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. But I mean, but seriously, I mean, think about what this semester of school is is going to do to that kid. So I mean, we've we've seen you know seniors with you know good majors excel in college across plenty of times before. But I mean, he's got <laughs> these next couple months for Ben Reeves. I mean, I I really don't want to trade places with that kid. And I mean, it, it might be something that that's nothing, but I still think that, you know, a kid like Sowers or a kid like Teat who doesn't have to deal with that bullshit for this semester, that's going to help them throughout the year. Can, uh, can you just say the major one more time, please? Yeah, one more time. Uh, let me let me just make sure that I don't that I don't trip myself up here on these. We're molecular, cellular and developmental biology. I'm. What in the Christ is that? Yeah. Shout out to Ben Reeves because he's probably going to end up with a job that ends up making him six figures right off the right off the bat. So good, good to see a Yale kid kind of luck out in life. <laughs> now speaking, so you know, so we we've been talking about attackmen so far all all show. Um, I really don't think that that's going to change as we get into players to watch this year. Um. So, I mean, let's let's talk about it. So, like we said, this is going to be a year in college lacrosse where defenses are just getting picked apart all over the place because there's 10 to 20 attackmen in the country this year who are just lights out no matter, you know, you give them the ball and something's going to happen with it. So, you know, what, what players are, are you looking for to have themselves just ridiculous years, putting themselves on pace, you know, with Connor Fields, who put up 115 points last year. So who do you think keeps up with that? I got I got Colin Burke, actually, a little underdog out of the CAA. He's from uh, Fairfield. He's a freshman last year, won CAA Rookie of the Year. Uh, also, as a freshman, becoming the co-player of the year in the CAA conference. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty big time. This kid is very athletic, very dynamic, and he's one who just put up a, one of those, another, like a Patrick Spencer or a Connor Fields his freshman year. List goes on and on of the fantastic freshman phenoms. But this kid put up absolute numbers. So he's going to be on my radar. And Fairfield's a team that is very, very sneaky and could win the CAA. And we can find them in uh, the tournament come May. How about you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, totally agree with you on on Fairfield. There, I mean, that's a team where you know you 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 don't you see them in May, and you know everyone's going to write that down as an automatic win for whoever they're going up against. And all of a sudden, we're we're getting into the second third week of May. You see Fairfield in there, uh, you know, watch out. But for a, a guy that I'm going to be watching whenever he's on the field is Justin Gutterding from Duke. Um, so the USILA put out their, uh, you know, their player of the year watch list. Connor Fields, Ben Reeves, Connor Kelly, Trey LeClaire, Chris Sabia, Grant Amen, Trevor Baptiste. Uh, we got Pat Spencer, John Sexton. Nowhere on that list is Justin Gutterding, who put up 50 goals and 46 assists in the ACC last year with Duke. The amount of disrespect it takes to not even put him on that list is ridiculous. I mean, this is a kid, you know, Duke Duke is known for always having that that studded, you know, you you go back in history, you, you know, you've got your Danowski, you got Ned Crotty, you got Jordan Wolf. Justin Gutterding is a guy who's in that conversation as an elite attackman, an, an elite Duke attackman. Um, you know, who's taking the country by storm and he doesn't even get mentioned on the preseason player of the year watch list. So, you know, if, if I'm Justin Gutterding, you know, you look at that and you, you hold two middle fingers up to that, to that list. And you say, I'm going to light the world on goddamn fire this year. So 96 points from Justin Gutterding last year. Let's, let's add another 10, 10 to that. I mean, he, he gets over a hundred points this year. And he's going to be right up there in the Twarton watch list. He's going to be in the conversation all year long. Whoever put out that, <laughs> whoever put out that list for the USILA, I guess that's the coaches. <laughs> they're a bunch of fucking bozos because the last thing you want to do is piss off a Duke attackman who's going to put up seven or eight. Yeah, I mean the day. fact that he was not even mentioned. The kid was third in the country last year in points, not the ACC, the country. And you don't even mention him in that article. That's bad. I mean, this is a kid like you said. Duke is notorious for having these senior attackmen. I mean, he's had big years his previous three, but they just have absolute massive senior years. So. This is a kid who has a lot to play for this year. That's why he wears the number 14 on his jersey. A lot of people have Justin Gutterding on their radar, especially us. I think that's a name that we're going to be talking about a lot this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then just another guy who, you know, we, we touched on him earlier when we were talking about Albany, but to Hoke and Anacoke, this is a kid. I mean, we saw it a couple months ago. Freshman fall ball highlight from to and Anacoke playing against Hopkins. He, he comes around top side from the wing cuts down to the cage one hand behind his back between his legs in the back of the net i mean that is a goal that i mean that that's a goal that broke the internet on i guess it was an october weekend so you had you know either college football going on or nfl football going on to hook and Nanakoke, a freshman playing fall ball across still took over social media with that goal and that's just the star power that this that this kid has. All right. So every time that Albany has a game this year, you're gonna want to tune in because he's gonna do something special. I mean, this kid is, you know, he's got the creativity of of Lyle Thompson in his game, and he's got the body of Matt Rambo. So there's like nothing that this kid can't do as an attackman. It's just unbelievable to watch. So creative, so smart. 
love, love, love that he rocks the box bucket playing field across. Um, you know, I'm I'm just waiting for the day that the NCAA comes in and like forces him to put on a cascade S. And I'm going to I, I don't I don't really want to put out too many threats in our first episode, but I will burn down the NCAA headquarters if they make Tahoka take off his box bucket because that just adds to how much of a beauty that kid is. Something to to you know kind of keep in mind here as we're moving into the beginning of the lacrosse season is these first couple months of the season we're probably going to be seeing a little bit of sloppy lacrosse. And that's because the fact that lacrosse is considered a spring sport is absolute bullshit. I mean, the fact lacrosse is an outdoor sport that starts for most teams practicing early January for most teams playing games in the beginning of February. You think about where lacrosse is played primarily Northeast schools. You know, you, you got a, that mid Atlantic range. You got a couple in Denver and you, the weather in February, it is absolute shit. So, I mean, it it's ridiculous that this season still has the start point when it does. Um, you know, and, and you look like a, you know, you look at a team like, uh, you know, Duke. I mean, Duke is a team that always seems to have slow starts. I don't necessarily know if you can blame the weather for that. I, I think it's more of a, you know, kind of how they operate. But, you know, they're, you're going to see some of the best teams in the league probably go down early in the season, just because, you know, when, when you got, you know, team a, who's, you know, a top five team in the country going up against team B, you know, who's a top, you know, 20, 25 team in the country, you throw them in a snowstorm. Who the hell knows how that one's going to work. Yeah. It kind of evens it out. And that's been a theme that we've been seeing for the past couple of years. It's these teams going against a middle of the pack to bottom of the pack team and having the weather kind of equal them out on the playing field. I mean, once you have, attackmen running around with latex gloves under their gloves. That's when, you know, it's way too cold. I mean, coaches have been trying to get it changed to how high school lacrosse is in the uh, mid March, which would make it a true spring sport. But right now uh, lacrosse is a winter sport. Like, yeah. Hockey is and, still I happening. Mean, and like you said, you know, it's, uh, you know, guys run around for the viewer, you know, we're seeing a little bit of sloppy lacrosse, but just know that your viewing experience is so much better than the guys who are actually playing. Cause when you're out there, these first few weeks of practice, first off are brutal to begin with, because you're going to be lucky to even touch your stick for the first few weeks of practice. It's, it's just conditioning all over the place, but then, you know, you're out there and it's freezing fucking cold. You got school starting up again after winter break, you're just freezing your ass off. You're in a hoodie, you're in a sweatshirt, you're in sweatpants. So you're, you're feeling heavy. You, you know, that cold air in your lungs, everything about the first few weeks of college lacrosse practice is brutal. So, I mean, for those guys who are out there, you know, for all you guys out there who, who are playing this year, back at school, back practicing right now, just know that we feel for you. And we especially, at least myself, feel for everybody who has to stand on the sidelines, not getting into the game for, for these first few weeks of the season, because that's the worst. I mean, as a guy who spent a lot of time on the sideline myself, you're just, you're standing there. You can't do anything to get yourself warm. You know, and if the rest of the guys on the team aren't wearing their jackets, you sure as shit don't want to be the first guy to put it on. Cause then you're getting called a pussy by everybody. So, I mean, the guys who are playing, it sucks. Cause you're out there getting slashed in the freezing cold. The guys on the sideline, it sucks. Cause you're just standing there freezing your balls off. It's, it's definitely a, it's, it's tough, man. February lacrosse is definitely tough. But then we get the payout in, Mar- in, in May. 
Um, you know, Memorial Day weekend is always the best weekend of the year. Um, you know, so speaking of Memorial Day weekend, what, uh, you know, what teams, I, I know it's early on in the season. I know that there's still an entire shitstorm of a year to go. But what teams right now do you have penciled in to be playing a Memorial Day weekend? Well, let's just get this squared away. Whatever four teams each of us pick or one of us picks, it's, it's going to be right. We're not going to be wrong. So I'll get us started. My picks will be right. Uh, so I got the Denver Pios. I think Tierney gets his boys in shape, tournament ready. I think Trevor Baptiste, he is just so dominant at the faceoff X. And you know how crucial time of possession is. I think Denver uh, pencils in their spot. I like Loyola sneaking in from the Patriot League. I think that they are a team that will put up numbers on offense and their defense will be locked down. I have Maryland making their way back. I know last year was a big Cinderella story with that whole senior class and them capping it off with the 2017 championship. But I think younger players step up, new leaders rise, and that's going to be a team that you'll see Tillman standing on the sideline come May. Uh, And then Albany, the Great Danes, I think they are way too powerful. If they win uh, the American East, they will have a clear shot at the Final Four and potentially get a title. Yeah, I uh, I've I've got Albany in my final four as well, and you know, like you said, with Denver, with Trevor Baptiste, and and just dominating at that faceoff X. I mean, Albany they have a great faceoff guy themselves in TD Ireland. Um, you know, and and in order to beat a team like Albany, you really have to limit their possessions because you know you give them twenty possessions a game, they're going to score seventeen of those times. I mean, they're just too lethal and efficient on offense. So, you know, unless you're a team who's able to win every faceoff and then hold on to the ball for a while, you're not going to kid like TD Ireland at the faceoff X that's just going to make it, you know, make it, take it. And that's, that's a tough order. Um, another team I have in my final four, we talked about this earlier, but, but Duke, uh, first off, I feel like it's been a long time since they've been playing a Memorial Day. Um, you know, but they're just a team where, you know, they start off the season every year with, you know, a, a loss or two. And, you know, that's when everyone comes in and, oh, is this the year that Duke is finally dead? Like, no, you fucking bozos. Like, this is what they do every year, all right? They suck in the beginning of the year. They get gradually better, and then they're a force in May. Um, so that that's just, that's just the trend of Duke season by season, and it usually doesn't fail. Uh, I've got Ohio State making it back to Memorial Day weekend. I think that they've got – you know, just a great, uh, you know, mixture of Americans and Canadians on that team. And, you know, I, we, we've been seeing the trend in college across, uh, you know, over the last few years where, you know, you want to start implementing more box guys into your offense. You want to start bringing in more Canadians, mixing them in with the Americans. That seems to be, be a good recipe to get yourself to Memorial Day weekend. My only issue with Ohio State is their uniforms blow. Um, you know, they're an SCX stallion school. They got the, you know, the sleeveless Nike jerseys that are great. Like everything about them is just so ugly. Um, it works for them. And, you know, and then also in May, they get the, the bleach blonde hair. Um, you know, I, I just think that they're too ugly of a team to win a national championship, but I do see them in the final four. And then finally, uh, you know what? Let's get crazy. Let's, let's just throw Hopkins playing, playing Memorial day weekend, because you know, that's, that's where I know that there are plenty of Hopkins haters out there in the world, but Hopkins, the world is a better place when Hopkins is dominant at lacrosse. So let's, let's get those boys on a run. 
let's see a Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I like Hopkins being in there. And one thing I noticed when we were listing off our teams is we talked about them in the conference in the beginning of the show, but none of us have any Ivy League schools in the final four. Is that because of the academics? Our final is going to get to them. Why do you have no Ivy Leagues in uh, your final four? These kids are smart as hell. And, you know, they didn't get into the Ivy League by, by accident. I mean, they're hard work. So they're, it's just, you get to May and you have finals weeks and, you know, the Ivy League final week has to be s- such a fucking beast to go up against. Um, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the, the biggest, you know, the biggest weeks of your lacrosse career or lacrosse season, uh, it's, it's going to be tough to juggle those two things. So I also think that the Ivy League is just going to be such a, you know, such a, a bloodbath all season long that, you know, that's going to take, you know, it's going to take some, uh, some window of the sales for a lot of teams. Um, so we got our final four. We got our players to watch. We got our teams to watch. Only prediction left here. Robbie O, who do you got hoisting the Tawarton Trophy at the end of the season? I got Connor Fields. I think this is his year finally to get uh, the Tawarton. I think with Tahoka having the addition, he's just going to have one extra weapon to use. He makes... He reminds me of an Eli Manning. I know you're a Birds fan and I'm sure you hate Eli Manning, but he makes his receivers better. I mean, you got Victor Cruz, who was an undrafted free agent out of UMass. Eli made him a superstar. I mean, the guy's not in the league anymore, but you give Connor Fields weapons, he's going to make the most out of that. He is one of the most electrifying players in lacrosse. He's proven it with his numbers. I mean, the guy had 115 points last year. And 30 points this year. I don't think Tahoka cuts that in half. I think he makes him a better player. Hey man, I, I love I love hearing that the Danes are gonna be dominant. So I've got no issue with that pick right there. For myself, you know, I've I've been talking strictly attackman here so far this episode. And again, that's that's because I was an attackman my entire life, so I'm a little bit biased. But in order to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, I, I still got love for other players out on the field. I got to go Trevor Baptiste as my 2018 Twarton Trophy uh, winner. I mean, he's, he is, he's been the greatest face-off specialist that college lacrosse has ever seen. Um, you know, and that's, that just goes to show why he's the only college guy who will be representing Team USA at the, at the Worlds later on this summer. So this is going to be a huge year for Trevor Baptiste. I mean, senior year at Denver, he, like, you know, you have him in the final four. This could be a, a championship year for Denver. He could win the Tawarton, and then he goes to Israel in the summer playing for Team USA at the Worlds. I mean, this could be one of the biggest years of lacrosse that anybody has ever had, um, you know, and and again, like you just, you don't beat Trevor Baptiste. You cherish every single time that you beat Trevor Baptiste in a face-off because you know that that'll probably never happen again. Um, you know, and also something that just really separates when he wins a face-off clean and he has the ball in his stick, he'll bomb that shit right by a goalie. I mean, no questions asked. Like he's not a guy who you can slow play on a fast break. So, I mean, he's, he's such a factor in every single game that he plays. Um, so I, I think that he, he gets that. 
to Wharton wrapped up this season. I, I like that pick a lot. And like you said, that's why I have Denver in there. I think he's going to be an absolute X factor and he's going to continue to dominate the faceoff X. All right. And with all that being said, that seems to wrap up episode one of the crease dive presented by Barstool Sports, our 2018 college lacrosse season preview. Rabia, you got anything else you need to plug in here today? I'm excited for the rest of the season, Jordy. I'm excited to get this podcast going, and uh, we're gonna have a big slate ahead of us for the next couple of months. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a year. Um, you know, like you said, big slate. So once you know, once the season gets going, you know, we'll be able to break down some games, talk about players who have been shining. We'll also get some big names in here as guests. So it, it should be a great year for the crease dive. It should be a great year for college lacrosse. Uh, it should be a great year for everybody besides baseball players. So. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. See you guys. Get it low to high. To the day we die.